cofres. Hey everyone, Tony and John from Cap City Crown presenting King's Talk. John, how's it going? Have you heard the big news? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the big news: the Kings, the Sacramento Kings, just second best odds, second best to get Bronny and LeBron James. What? Yeah, second best. I don't know how you come up with these kind of odds. Considering Yo, was that Vegas? It's, I don't know. Like Vegas odds, yeah, you know, the mafia. It was it was the a mafia. Jason Anderson uh, article. Okay. So wherever he got those numbers from, I'm not sure. He's our he's the local Sac B reporter on the Kings. But yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know how you I I don't know how you've come to that to the to those odds. Um, yeah. Who had the highest odds? Um, the Thunder. Interesting. Yeah, not sure why. I don't see how those two. Like, I don't see what the connection is there for one two there. You know. Yeah, I know that. Those are completely different situations right now. I feel like. Yeah, like are they? Because right now, Bronny's not projected to be very high pick like not even a lottery pick a first round yeah 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 for, okay, can, we, can i stop right here can we talk about the narcissism of the idea that this is supposed to make a difference these guys could go to a team and they could they could win like 20 games you know yeah <laughs> like I, I don't i don't see this is even like such a publicity thing that um you know i love you tony but i hate that you brought this up <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. These guys, this is it's such an interesting thing because people are automatically drawn to this, obviously. And I feel like it for Sacramento as a franchise, you can't help but talk about it. I get it because it's LeBron James, you know, it's one of the biggest names in the in in, in entertainment, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that would be huge for Sacramento as a city. Um, uh, maybe to some people's dismay that I would understand, but you know, it could do some stuff, but in terms of the odds, I still don't understand. There was no explanation of how he's coming up with this or is it just, do you think it was something? Cause I didn't see it. Do you think it was something that maybe um, <laughs> you just kind of stir the pot, stir the conversation that way, get people talking about it, get people thinking about it, create a buzz. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for any of that. I don't think anyone really cares. I just, I saw it yesterday mm-hmm. and I thought it was kind of funny. So I made a post <laughs> about it. It is hilarious. <laughs> on social media. There's this funny picture of like Bronny and LeBron in, in like Kings uniforms playing together. I don't know if you've seen it. If you've, if you've seen our post. No, I hadn't had a, had, a, had, a, had a chance. I found. I just thought it was like it's kind of funny. It's like brawny, <laughs> but it's like a, it's like someone photoshopped like a king's uniform onto like a fourteen-year-old LeBron James Jr. And then <laughs> LeBron James is in the background. Just like, I think he's like pointing to the sky. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. That's um. Yeah, I recognize that photo. <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> that's silly. Yeah. <laughs> I just it, it explains a lot because it just you're right. For one, you have this um you have a child that is um in a jersey. Uh and that is just symbolic of how ridiculous this is that we're talking about this at this stage. Yeah. Um and that is just funny. I don't know. I hope he'll grow into it. You might want to give him a next time you Photoshop a jersey on him, do it a little bigger, you know. I'm sure yeah, as, as a dad, I LeBron not... will be looking at it. He'll be like, no, he'll grow into it, you know. That's kind of the dad mentality, isn't it? It it wasn't my Photoshop. No, not you, but whoever oh. did it. I yeah. would, you know, I know you're better than that. But and then of course the Le- LeBron picture in the background of him not contributing anything except just pointing. <laughs> Um, I want like a bunch of cameras to be going off and all the lights to be flashing off of LeBron because even as his son's about to score a layup or whatever or go up and drive, I feel like it's still all going to be about LeBron. <laughs> I yeah. know. I feel like it does explain a lot. I'm breaking this down. I'm doing like a deep dive. I think <laughs> I, I, for our listeners, if you go into the Cap City Crown Instagram, it should be the post. It says plus 1200 and big plus 1200. That's the King's odds to, I guess, acquire Bronny and LeBron in a couple seasons. <laughs> the picture is just, I, I don't know. I think it's a combination of how young Bronny looks in this. Because he's not that young anymore. And then, you're right, just LeBron James standing in the background, just pointing to the skies. Yep. Like, like you said, not contributing anything. Right. Like, son looks like he's about it, like... <laughs> take on three defenders and try to get a buck. I don't know. He's probably going to take on three defenders and get blocked. And his dad's going to keep, you know, encouraging it. And the Kings are going to finish with freaking 30 wins that season or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Honestly, it's, it's like the first year LeBron won't go to the playoffs. Of course it'd be on the Kings. How honestly, how, how Kings would that be? Like, I don't think LeBron has missed the playoffs since his rookie year, I believe. <laughs> like, imagine he comes to the Kings and, and then he misses it. And then he just retires. He's like, whatever. That's it. Would that not, would that not be so Kings, though? Um, well, I hope that the narrative of the Kings is different by then. But if it's not, yes, absolutely. If it all fell down to that, yeah. <laughs> that would be... That would be an absolutely catastrophic um, collapse, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That would not be good. But um, I think it's funny. Well, now I want to know who is who Who else was in that top list? The Thunder. I mean, I can almost kind of see you, you almost want to just pick any roster that you could kind of like strip clean, you know, I guess. <laughs> I uh, don't know. Yeah. Here, here are the top four. And in, in kind of an interesting four, other than the... So it starts off with OKC, plus 800. Kings, plus 1,200. Then the next two, a little interesting. And they only give, they only give me four right here. So um, the next best favorite after the Kings, the Cavs at 1,500. See, I thought that was going to be number one. Yeah, you think so, right? I really would have thought that'd be number one by a landslide. Yeah, and then the fourth best odds, 
at plus eighteen fifty, the Golden State Warriors. Ah, can't imagine that anybody in the Bay Area would want that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Um, you know, know. <laughs> I feel like from my experience, that would not uh, that would not fly over very well. I feel like that's a, it's another thing that's laughable. I think it's the um, the uh, like. Like the self, the, just the 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 self image that uh, it seems like the Jameses have, or whoever's representing them, <laughs> because it's just so stupid. It's like the hubris to think, like, oh yeah, like it's like another LeBron sweepstakes, like when he went to the Heat. It's stupid. Yeah, it's dumb. Yes. So we can um, we can shut up about that. I don't think anyone really cares. It's like I said, it's laughable. You see that and you go, ha, ha, okay. It's it's very laughable. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm interested. I think like odd makers, like on random stuff like this too, it's kind of interesting. It's like, where are you getting these numbers from? But, yeah. oh, well, at, at this point, at this point, I can say based off of the odds, you can highly expect to see LeBron James in a Sacramento Kings uniform. Like, highly expect it from the information we're getting. So, but John, on to more important things. It's Friday. Last time we talked with everyone, it was last Thursday. There's been four games since, you know, in between Thursday and Friday. You got to win against the Spurs on Thursday and then, you know, three straight losses, three, two, two bad losses, in my opinion, coming to the Mavs. And we'll get into these games a little more in detail. Um, the Knicks, tale of two halves. And then you got the Nuggets a couple nights ago. It was a good game. I, I was at that game. I sat actually pretty close. But uh, we'll get into that uh, as we go through the games. Uh, where, where would you like to start off? Well, since, you know, first of all, you have to, before you delve into the, the Mavericks and the Knicks game in particular, uh, you have to give the team massive credit for pulling out that win in San Antonio. Because that, like, they had every excuse to lose if ever oh. that was the case, you know? I think everyone did. I think we all assumed they were going to. It was amazing how much energy they came out with in the first half. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, and it, it really was, they kind of stuck to the what they did. You know, they held the Spurs in the first and second quarter, respectively, to 27 and 24 points you know, and scored 30 and 34 themselves in those two quarters with a nice lead at half. And, and then they came out and they did their bad uh, third quarter dance. And then uh, they ended up holding on in the end uh, yeah. down, down to a few things. If I'm not mistaken, was that, no, no, no. I'm thinking of uh, a different game. Where was the jump ball that uh, when DiVincenzo was that that game against the Spurs with, um, yeah, with, uh, yeah. 
What? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, with Podal. Or, uh, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did the jump right. ball late. The Spurs had such an opportunity to get a possession there. You know, you have the big man against little DiVincenzo. Although, DiVincenzo, that guy seems like he can, like, it's like he's, like, zip, zip lining or something sometimes. Yeah. He's in the air for so long. But, um, you know, they, they didn't secure that. And uh, the Kings, you know, came up on the right end of it. You know, they weren't the one to make that mistake. Mm-hmm. And they won that game. And I think that was really one of the important takeaways of that game. Um, but of course, unless you have anything to add to that Spurs game, uh, things kind of started to fall down the same course and not fall our way as we lost two games to Dallas, in which we did the same exact thing. We had a pretty good first half, held them to under 30 points in both, both the first two quarters before coming out and having a terrible third quarter and ending up losing by one, if you wanted to get into that. Well, I guess to go back to the Spurs game, mm-hmm. it was nice to see the Kings blow a lead and actually come back out on top. Because they were leading most of the game. And it was late in the fourth quarter where the Spurs actually at one point took a lead. If uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I think but- they did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Spurs took the lead. It was like, it, yeah, I know who's killing us. It was um, Lonnie Walker. That team was killing us all game, and then Murray kind of started, you know, going off. And he had a couple. He had. It's all coming back to me now. He started draining threes at the end. He had like two straight threes, and they had mm-hmm. a three to tie it. But right. Barnes and Fox had nice games. They came, you know, they stood their ground, even though all the momentum was going the Spurs way towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spurs had their comeback. They took the lead. You know, the Kings stick in there, got the win. It was nice to see. Yeah. Because usually, and as we've seen, obviously the two games after the Kings, after they blow a lead like that, yeah, they usually end up on the losing end. So that was nice to see. But then yeah. you go to then you go to Saturday against the Mavericks. Two o'clock, a little matinee. Oh, I mean, they're just killing. I, I, I didn't watch this game. I, I watched the end, I should say. I was helping my sister move. So I was kind of like following it on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. And they're killing the whole time. I'm like, like it was great to see, right? And they, and of course, of course, the Mavericks don't have Luka Doncic. Exactly. So it's like, you know, it's like... It's never like an easy win anymore. You don't think this. It's like, oh, the Kings will probably lose this one. But it was nice watching them. Like, they had a great second half. Or, sorry, they had a great first half. They were up, I think, like 15 at the half, at the end of the second quarter. Um, and, yeah, we all know how that ended. It, it didn't go well. My buddy, I like I said, I, I wasn't watching until – I want to say I didn't watch until the last two minutes – um, my buddy texted me and he said, Katie Christensen said with like six minutes remaining in the third quarter. he's like, yeah, Fox hit, hit like a fadeaway two. It's like a fadeaway mid range. Mm-hmm. And he, he told me, and he's not one to, you know, lie. And I don't know why he would lie about this, but he said, he said that she said, we're getting a little, he said, she said. But he said that Katie said, like, that's the dagger with six minutes left in the Ooh. third quarter. And Ooh, he's like, Yeah, like, I was watching the, the Dallas uh, broadcasters, so I didn't hear that. 
Oh, yeah, that's that's what I heard. I, I, I don't have confirmation personally, like with my own two ears, but man, why say that? But anyways, that's besides the point. Fox scored 44 in that game, ties his career high, and you still lose. Is Yeah, I think um, one of the important things in that game, just to give Katie a, a little bit of slack there, because that was kind of a silly thing to say uh, with that much time left. But um, Gentry said it after the game. He said, quote, I think as much as De'Aaron Fox drove the ball to the basket and as much as he's in the paint, I'm a little bit miffed with how he shoots just six free throws, end quote. And yeah, yeah it was ridiculous. It seemed like, you know, there were times where um, where I would watch Fox dribble into traffic and I'd be like, what are you doing? But I'm like, oh, he's getting these off clean, you know, but he's, he's drawing contact. But he's just not getting these calls. And um, I feel like that game was just like, that was a little ridiculous because there were a few times where it's just like, he he went into like, three or four Mavericks and got the ball off clean, but he's coming out of it stumbling. And it's like, how is there not, how is there not contact being called here? Yeah. And that was just a little silly. Cause when it comes down to a one point game, oh yeah, you know, I mean, that makes all the difference. Yeah. And also the fact, if you wanted to get even a little harder on the team, which I think is fair, cause this team is not a great free throw shooting team. Um, but they, they, you know, it, they come out shooting 66% from the free throw line in that game. And it's just like, I know 12 of 18, when you put it that way, it's like, oh, that's not terrible, you know, but it's like one or two, that's a big difference, you know? Yeah. It really, it makes a huge difference. And to see, you know, Sabonis went one of five from the free throw line in that game. And it's just one of those things you'd love to see. You get one of those and you got a tie game on your hands. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, it's frustrating because it did feel like they could have rode some momentum, especially mm-hmm. with Doncic out. And then I think going into that is like as soon as you, it's almost like you don't want to hear that somebody's out when you're watching the Kings, because you're like, oh man, they they seem to drop the drop the ball there, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you know, it, it Fox had a 44. He tied it with his career high um in points and yeah. just to see that whole thing just collapse it was just i don't know i mean i feel like that's the huge thing with this kings team you just see them kind of collapse and it's yeah. always that third quarter yeah oh, man that... and you'll hear the par- the players say it all of them say it holiday sabonis fox the coach says it everybody says it those third quarters you can't they're not coming out with the same focus the same energy but yeah uh, it it's been like that it's just so weird, too. And I feel like I'm a broken record because the Kings are always the same. But I feel like that third quarter has been killing us mm-hmm. for six-plus years now. I, I remember the Rudy Gay days. I, rem- I, just, I just remember it's been going on far too long and just blowing big lead after big lead. And uh, it's just annoying. Like, you're, they're up 15. I remember I was watching that Knicks game. I yeah, I was just gonna say. That. I was gonna say. But I, same, you know, same things. Kings were destroying the Knicks. They destroyed the Knicks in that first half. It wasn't even close. And I texted my buddy at the half. It's like, all right, how long till this game's tied? You know, because you know at that point, it's like, how how long till this game's tied? Yeah. He he gave a generous 
I mean, it doesn't seem that generous, but he's like 640 in the fourth. And, you know, the Knicks were, they were killing us by the end of the third. It felt like. Yeah. Well, they, it, so Sacramento was up 33 to 17 at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. They, uh, you know, everybody says that they played a great first half. I'm like, no, they played a great first quarter. They lost the second quarter, 31 to 30, gave up over 30 points. Uh, and then they came out in that magnificent third quarter fashion, 44 to 24. And, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, that game in particular was just like, ugh, you know, like the Knicks really picked a time to start hitting threes in that yeah. second half. They hit 61% of their threes in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's like the team just kind of, I don't know, like, I don't know what happens to them after a certain point where they just start pressing or they get comfortable and then they start pressing and they get away with get away from the things that they were doing that got them a big lead and things are just thrown out of sorts. And it was kind of a frustrating game for everybody. And it was highlighted of course, when Sabonis got ejected and, um, you know, made contact with the ref that had him suspended against the, uh, game against the nuggets on, uh, Wednesday. Yeah. And that just kind of all came into a culmination. I know that J- uh, Justin Holiday the next day said, you know, uh, he kind of, that was kind of an, uh, he, he uh, something to the effect of like, that was kind of the way we all felt, you know, like, yeah, he just kind of like was, that was, that was the, the encapsulation of it. And, uh, you know, it's ridiculous. And yeah, the thing was with foul calls, because, uh, a couple of minutes before that, Julius Randle was just riding um, uh, Sabonis. Uh, and it was like a couple of times where there was a foul, and then finally they called a foul. And Sabonis did like the emphatic, like, thank you, put his hands together, mm-hmm. like, yeah. with sincere thanks. Yeah. And, and it had like an air of like sarcasm to it because it's like, man, you, like, you watch this guy over the last like 10, 11 games, and it's like, this guy, sometimes he'll get calls like, um, I think in the game against uh, the Mavericks, he got some calls. I mean, he did get to the free throw line a fair amount when I feel like at times when I feel like he wasn't beforehand, maybe not as much, but you know, but you know, it just, it, it, it wasn't so much about the fouls in that game. Um, even though that did happen and it seemed to be a, uh, just another uh, part of that trend that seems to be a thing since uh, he's come over here. Um with his drop in free throw attempts and kind of just the whole team not getting calls as a whole against the Sacramento Kings. But this team is just frustrated because they know they're making these mistakes and they know that they're so much better. I mean, they're getting these leads. They're all saying it. If you listen to all their interviews, they're all saying like, we're good enough. We're getting leads against good teams. There's not a hole in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, and then it gets down to the fact that it's just like, you know, um, I know not to, harking back too much to the holiday interview, but he said, you know, like effectively, like what if we were all together from the beginning at training camp? I think he said to one of the coaches he recounted and it's like, you get thinking about that. You're like, yeah, I mean, what if, and I don't know with the window kind of closing on the plan. Cause you're losing a lot of games here. Yeah, um, that's, that's, I think it's out of the question at this yeah. point. Right. But you see, so many positives i feel like just going out of this i've i feel like that's kind of not what you want to hear as a fan of this team 
but I feel like this is not like a spoonful of nothing. This is actually something. Um, because yeah. look, look at the look at the way Fox is playing lately. He's not no. just going. He's not just on a tear. He looks different on defense. He looks more engaged. He knows that this is his team. Yeah. And without Sabonis last night, the um the the Kings what they lost by six points to the Nuggets. Came down to a few possessions. They yeah. played, and you know what kept them in the game? Defense. They yeah. played really good defense. It was they did the exact opposite of what the game plan was, uh, or not the game plan, but what their typical uh, blueprint of how their performance goes. Whereas usually they have a great first half and then they collapse in the second half. They were down to Denver. You know, Denver scored 32 against Sacramento's 29 in the first, and then Denver scored 31 to Sacramento's 22 in the second quarter. And then in the second, and then in the third quarter, I mean, the Kings didn't like go off offensively, but they held Denver to 17 points. Um, and I know Denver was missing a lot of threes in that game, but Sacramento looked engaged. And I know I feel like I say this about Justin Holiday a lot, and I may sound like a Justin Holiday fanboy because I'm saying all his name a lot. <laughs> and maybe I am. I don't know. I'm a fan of his game. He affects the game in so many different ways. The way, you know, how many fouls did he draw on DeMarcus Cousins last night? Yeah. Couple. You know, I think he had two steals and two blocks. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was great. He was fantastic, even though he only went like, what, one of five from three, one of four. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's what you want to see. That's the exact turnover you want to see. And they lost that game. But I think with that, the, the fact that they did the opposite, coming out pretty, you know, with a different energy in the second half to hold the other team 17 points. Uh, the fact that you, you got to see what these teams can, these players can provide on that defensive end. Because they're all pretty, they all can show something on the offensive end. A lot of these guys. Um, it was nice to see them play as a team on defense, cohesive uh, unit over there. And then, of course, I think another great positive um, was the fact that you saw great contributions from Damian Jones, who's been playing well, yeah. Davion Mitchell, who hasn't been really playing well lately, and Chemezi Metu, who's lost out on minutes. Um, and it's kind of like been, you know, doesn't always get opportunities but i do feel like makes meaningful use of it and he did a great job the other night and i feel like with all that i mean i think the spurs game now that we recounted that at the beginning of this that might uh challenge this but i do think that this recent game this despite the fact we lost the set the kings lost it um i think that was that was the biggest source of optimism in terms of a game maybe you could also include the first game against minnesota where everybody just came in on a fly but i don't know that's a lot but i feel like that nuggets game that was just like i was so surprised the kings were just in it i just kept i kept wondering i'm like how's this team in it and it's just like they were getting stops yeah it was crazy it was like i could not believe that i was saying that no it was i was there i was at that game um well and it was it was definitely a bummer because I was going to the game and you didn't find out till that morning mm. that Sabonis was out. And I haven't been to a game yet where Sabonis has been there. So I'm like, of course, the one night I'm going, <laughs> he's out. Um, but yeah, no, it was on a Wednesday night. I was surprised. I went to a game. I went to Halliburton's last game, actually. I believe that was a Friday or a Saturday night against the Thunder. It's not like the like the biggest match yet, but it, it was a weekend night, like a Friday mm-hmm. or a Saturday. Saturday, yeah, Saturday. Okay, it was a Saturday, and so 
it, it was dead in there. It was so dead. It was, I'm like, oh my God. And of course, like, I feel like the arena looks a lot different now that Sabonis is here and, you know, shook things up. People are a little more excited. But even with him out, you know, people probably already bought their ticket or what, or whatnot, you know, but it was absolutely packed at that arena for a Wednesday night. And yeah, you've seen the reigning MVP, but no, I was kind of shocked because the game before I had gone to was that Halliburton game. It was dead. It was a weekend night and then a weekday, you know, it was, it was popping in there and everyone was into it. The refs and, you know, the refs haven't been the best, uh, haven't been the King's best friend as of late. They're, Mm -hmm. you know, chanting, you know, refs you stock and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. it was it was a very engaged crowd and a very large crowd for what like I'm gonna say again, a Wednesday night, but it was um it was a great game and I I you know, I think at the end of the day, I'm just like, man, I I don't see the Kings winning this, unfortunately, especially without Sabonis. Fox had a great game. And you were kind of hoping, but it's like, man, you, you really have to take a lead right now. Like you're not you're not gonna beat Jokic. Like you, right. he's gonna have to beat you. Um, but if it's a tie game, it's like yeah, like it's MVP for a reason. But yeah, they were playing really good defense. They and it's a great thing. Like they actually came out in the third quarter really well. Held the Nuggets to thirteen or sorry seventeen points. Ah. I mean, I have a lot more to say about the crowd that night, but <laughs> yeah, you can keep going. That's a big deal because Gentry has talked about changing the culture here. And he's talked about, you know, of course, like competing and like securing possessions, having good possessions, but also establishing a home court. And yeah. that starts with that's why I thought the trade. I mean, from the beginning, I'm like, this trade deadline is great because you're immediately putting a better product out on the court that has upside yeah. going forward. It's like, that's exactly what you wanted to do. And if that's the result, I mean, that's great. For a Wednesday night, like you said, compared to a month earlier on a Saturday, keep going if you want. No, I, I don't have too much more to add to it. The crowd, it was you know, like, it, I feel like the a home court is starting to be established a little better, considering it was really bad, you know, the days or in probably months and weeks leading up to that trade, but it was good. And, yeah, you know, as fans, you hope to affect the game as well as you can. And it was awesome seeing the Kings going like a couple of runs in the third, and stay with it in the fourth. And it was, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we were getting into it and a home field, home court advantage. It, it does mean something. And so the Kings do need to find that, you know, they need to get that back in their pocket. And I, you know, I can't really see it start coming along. So, yeah, I feel like if you have a more engaged crowd, I mean, one of the things obviously that this team keeps talking about in terms of, you know, the issue of kind of coming in and trying to make it all work on the fly is the fact that it's hard to just implement consistency like that with a squad that has six new guys, pretty much five of them are all integrated into the lineup for the most part. Um, three of them are in the starting lineup. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, this is still kind of, you're still kind of like letting the, uh, the grease dry on this. I don't know if that's an expression. <laughs> I don't think that's an expression. I think you want the grease to dry, whatever. You know what I'm saying? 
and uh, but in terms of in terms of a home court advantage, that's that's a because you need to be able you need to be able to you know especially if you come back from a road trip where you just kind of like you lost most of those games even though they were hard hard fought. Um, you need to be able to kind of bounce off the ropes and get a good momentum going the other way. Mm. And that crowd needs to be there to give you that push and, and help you stay consistent in that game. And I think the absence of Sabonis really hurt them on offense, but the attitude, the collective play, it was really good. The active hands, I think just guys, like I said, getting meaningful minutes and extra minutes, they, they, they made it, made it, made it, uh, made the most of it yeah they they did the metu he had a great game i think he had nine points eight boards mm-hmm. and not a lot of time played really so it was nice seeing him be back on the court they threw an oop to him kind of early when he got into the game and you know he, he was kind of that spark that not necessarily a high flyer but you know he kind of he kind of hyped you up so he, he was dunking a lot and Sometimes that's what you need. The Kings have always had that guy off the bench. Or not always, but they have like Quincy AC or Reggie Evans and uh, Harry Giles. They, they always had some hype big man. It's usually big guys off the bench who can come in, kind of make a little impact, get the crowd into it. And I, I see Metu does have some of that potential. I'm not sure if he's going to stay around long enough. Um, no offense mm-hmm. to Metu. He's just kind of like, you know, that borderline player between – maybe being out of the league and being in it, he's good. He definitely makes the most of his uh, opportunity, but I'm not sure if he's going to be on the team long-term. But, uh, he, you know, he he played really well against the Nuggets, and all credit to him. Um, I totally forgot we had Alex Lynn on the team until he started against Jokic. I don't feel like he's played since Sabonis. Yeah, he was physical. It just seemed like he got a lot of fouls called on him. Yeah, and you know that's got what... left on a left on an island with Jokic a lot too, and it was just not pretty. I just no. feel like they tried to use. I mean, it was weird because Gentry at the end of the game was like, "Well, you don't want to keep him on an island, you know, with with uh, and you don't want to keep anybody on an island with Jokic down in the paint." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why did it seem like that was the game plan? Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm like, what? I just don't. I don't know. So I really like Gentry, but I do feel like there's a disengagement there because he knows he's just an interim coach. It's like sometimes you hear the players talk about it like, yeah, we need like a better energy coming out at a half. We need a better focus. And I'm like, yeah, I know you guys need to do that yourselves. But it's, and I, I know the famous Tristan Thompson quote from the beginning, you don't need a, co- a coach to motivate you. That's not really the, that's what they're supposed to do. If you can't go out there and win, you probably shouldn't be in the league. And which I thought was an excellent, excellent thing to say. Mm. Um, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, is there is there a responsibility a little bit of a responsibility there? I don't know. I mean, I I'm not super hard on him because I don't really know how much is at stake in terms of winning and losing. I do think he he is a great presence, he's a good basketball mind, good good guy. Um it's an he's a he's a perfect interim coach. Yeah, really is. I mean, he's been a he's been a head coach in this league and in the, you know, coaching in this league for a long time and 20 plus years so he definitely mm-hmm. has a lot of experience and you know a lot of wisdom to share with the team i agree his motivation who knows where that is there's what 14 games left in the season and i mean it seems like he's had a rough year coaching i think you know he oh he it's got difficult man <laughs> yeah he's like and then uh, yeah i mean coaching isn't easy and then 
he's coaching the Kings and it's kind of funny that it felt like he was like having a breakdown in like mid like late late December early January and just like I think he's he like a quote just saying like this is like the hardest uh, I wish I had the quote but it was basically saying like this is like one of like the hardest coaching moments in my life right coaching this team and you know I mean especially before that's a bonus trade mm-hmm. and it, it, it amazes me that this was the roster we went into the season with. Like, I don't know, uh, expecting results? I don't even know anymore. So many loose pieces flying around. Just nothing really integrated. Like, no, like I feel like they were trying new lineups all the time. Yeah, all the time. And it's I, just like, this is not a good sign. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's kind of weird now. Like, like Harkless, like, what happened to him? He just doesn't play. They get that dude. They changed the offense. They changed the offense completely, and then he just became an absolute non-factor because he's not convincing enough from three. Yeah, and and Lyles, he's been. I really like Lyles. Oh, he's uh, phenomenal. He's aggressive, and he, you know, he's smart. He's very smart. He knows his role really well, but he's not going to like back down. If he's going to have an open shot, he's going to take it. And I love those guys that are not like super athletic and not like cut and stuff, and they're just smooth, yeah. you know. That's why yeah. I like Jokic. Jokic is just smooth money. But Lyles, it's like, yeah, that pump fake, it it looks That's it looks stupid, fake. but it's so good. Yeah. Oh, it gets everyone. It's like it looks I, so yeah. dumb, but it Lyles, looks it he, looks so good at the end of the day. <laughs> no, it looks great and it gets him to the lane and he draws some fouls down there. He's not a terrible finisher. He's he's looked really solid since being moved to the starting lineup. And I don't know what he's hitting his threes at, but it seems like a decent enough clip where you do have to respect him on the outside. And that's mm-hmm. where that pump fake has really been coming into play. So it would be interesting to look because I think the thing about him that that's a really big deal is um, it's not so much the rate at which he hits his threes because I would imagine it's probably. The, the mid to low 30 percent uh overall yeah uh, since being with the kings but the important thing is he hits that first one it would be interesting yeah. to know what his percentages are on the first three he takes of the game because when he hits that first one that changes everything the defense is all of a sudden going like oh because he hit the first one last night and then he only hit one yeah um if i'm not uh yeah he went one of five and he hit that first one it was like yeah. the third make of the game yeah yeah and he had a solid game last night too. Um, but yeah, fourteen no, points it, in the first quarter, uh, first half. He had how many? I think he had fourteen. Yeah, I believe it. I don't know. I don't remember. I think he. I think he finished with fourteen too. So I don't know. Maybe he had twelve. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I could look that up. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, you, that's a great point. He does hit that first one, and you got to respect him after that. If he misses the next four, it's like, yeah, well, he made one already, so. Mm-hmm. That is very important. He he's been doing that really well. I think he did that in that his first start against the Thunder. I think he drained that three in the corner and yep. He was, you know, they're having to go out and guard him every other time and that's great for Sabonis and good and Fox it opens up their lane and the paint and yeah. Maybe even uh, kick it out. Oh yeah, and he's not and even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's been in the league for long enough. He's just he's smart about backside cuts, weak side cuts, all that stuff. And that's nice. He doesn't always get it, but sometimes cuts can lead to other cuts, you know, that constant movement. And yeah, mm-hmm. 
he's Especially just, with the bonus with the ball too, you know. He, yeah, you just plugged him right in, and it just seemed like all these guys kind of knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Harkless just kind of like there were times where it felt like Harkless would have admitted to you that he felt a little <laughs> maybe not in it all the way because he just kind of stood there. I don't know. Yeah. And then he'd he'd go over for two, over three from three, and it's like, well, that's 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 no, that's a liability. That's just a yeah. body out there that nobody's going to guard. Yeah, honestly, he he did that far too often. He'd have a couple of good games, but then yeah. Mm-hmm. A handful of bad ones, and yeah, it just becomes a guy in the corner you don't really care about if he's shooting or not. Yeah, and it's not like a knock. It's not like, well, yeah, like, yeah, we knew Lyles was going to be better. It's like, no, we're just motioning through the guys at this point. That's not working. We're going to try another guy. Lyles happened to stick. Yeah, and um, yeah. I'm interested to see what the Kings do with Lyles. Um, I mean, he was a he's a lottery pick back with Willie Trill. Yeah, out there with that that Kentucky team. Yeah. Yeah, he was probably like the least. I mean, not the. I mean, not the least known one, but it was like Carl Anthony Towns, Willie Cauley Stein, Devin Booker, mm-hmm. and you know Willie. I feel like Willie's more known because of like his looks, and he was pretty good in Kentucky. He was known in Kentucky. I feel like Trey didn't have that uh, recognition right. as Willie did when he came into the league. And of course, Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker are, are all stars, but you know, Lyles has bounced bounced around and. He's only 26. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that he's the long-term solution at power forward, but it has been promising to see him, um, what he's done last couple games. I'm not going to jump ahead and be like, he's our, he's the answer to our power forward position moving forward. But, you know, maybe off the bench next season. Yeah. It'll be interesting because if he, if he finishes the season off doing what he's been doing since he got the starting role, he can do that off the bench next season, perhaps. Like, you know, might as well keep him. And I don't know. I, I want to say he is a free agent after this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive, though. Let me look before I say something I don't know. But I do. Let's see. He signed a two year, $5 million contract back in 2021. So it looks like we do. Have him under contract. Yeah, so he is under contract next year uh, on yeah. an option. That's great because the one thing that he's shown by coming into the starting lineup and gelling immediately is that he's got that ability to find a way to affect the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you need guys like that. And that's just a good thing to have because whether he is, you know, like you kind of have to have him as your starting four, maybe you have somebody off the bench, another forward of some sort but uh you would like him probably to come off the bench would be ideal and i feel like he would be okay there i feel like he would be pretty good i mean he was yeah yeah i mean like the one of the things that was going to happen with sabonis being out last night was the fact that there was going to be a huge deficiency in rebounds yeah and lyles was the leader with nine which i mean like of course you'd like your leader to have more but it's like that's pretty good and lyles only played um no he played 34 minutes never mind but i was you know feel like he's always playing like 20 to 25 yeah and, and you know lyle's he, he's a power forward you he, he can't really plug lyle's in at the center and mm-hmm. you know you got Jokic and boogie because i mean sabonis is your rebounder for sure and big Holmes was out too and you know lyle's was having to go in it with you know probably the best rebounder in the game right now or you know top top three in Jokic, and then you know, Boogie's not, you know, regardless of if he's 
you know, today. Unless, unless you have Justin Holiday guarding him. Yeah, yeah, right. So, you know, I'll take nine. Obviously, you probably want like 13, considering Jokic had a ton. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's what happens when some bonus is out. He's, he's your rebounder. That's why a reason you got him, because mm-hmm. um, what he can do down low. But, you know, yeah, Lyle's, he held his own. I'm okay with that. But kind of going, you know, you said Justin Holiday's name. And from what we hear, the listener and myself, and you <laughs> kind of said it, you are a Justin Holiday fanboy. It's great. I, he 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 does he does a lot, I know outside of his non-existent shooting since he's joined the Kings. And I mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not hating on. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, and I'm not, and I'm not gonna doubt that. Obviously, I acknowledge that. Yeah, and it it has definitely been frustrating because uh, I don't I, I I really like Justin Holiday, and we got him. I'm like, you know, we got Sabonis, which is you know amazing. I'm like I, I do like Justin Holiday. I think he's a good three and D guy. Um, and we, you know, three point shooting is you, you need that, and it's just been kind of upsetting to see him be so terrible from three. And is there a point? And I, it sounds like such a dumb question, I guess, considering the Kings are kind of not playing for anything at this point. But it's like. Mm-hmm. You start you start Divincenzo at any point, or you just keep rolling with Holiday at the two because he's missing a high percentage of his licks from outside. And I, I get he does defense well, and he brings up, uh, you know, he he he's good in other aspects, and he's been doing those things well. But shooting, it's just you know, it's a pretty big mm-hmm. factor, and he has not been he's not been capitalizing. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's acknowledge that here in Sacramento he's getting the best looks from three that he's gotten all season mm-hmm. um he, he knows he's got to pick it up and shooters this happens to him and I would say like yeah I, like all your concerns are absolutely right but at the same time you have to have someone that can come in and credibly you know cover up for that like if he's not shooting the three well you need someone that can and DiVincenzo I feel like you have to keep DiVincenzo on the bench because I feel like he's such a – you're talking about sources of energy. I think mm-hmm. you're talking about um, uh, a kind of a motivator. He talks – he mentions how his his kind of like main thing is kind of being a source of energy, always competing, keeping people positive and keeping them going, you know. And I yeah. feel like that's just like so invaluable off the bench. Um, it truly is. And you just can do so many different things with him. And you can use him in closing lineups when you need to. And then sometimes if he's not shooting the ball well, like last night, he was 0 of 5 total from the field. You know, he's don't put him in the closing lineup. And Mm -hmm. luckily Mitchell was playing well. And I think Mitchell closed out the game. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like, yeah, you just need to have another shooter there. Because when Justin Holiday was a young guy on the Warriors, Justin Holiday was like the three-point shooter that didn't, never played because they had so many in reserves. But when yeah. he would get out there and get play time and you'd set up for an open look for him in the corner, he would hit it like every time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you just, oh, I know it sounds so stupid. Like, yeah, get a guy that you could just, you know, like one of the best three-point shooters you can get. Just put him at the end of your bench. It's kind of asking a lot when you're struggling to get a guy who's effectively shooting the three right here and right now in your starting lineup. 
Although Darren Fox is kind of hitting the three like crazy right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, good for him. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've noticed too is he's I, I feel like part of the reason he's taking maybe a little more threes. I mean, he's shooting it with such confidence that I almost feel like it doesn't make a difference. But maybe he sees like there's a little bit of struggle. Maybe if you know you see your teammates' threes go in, it'll help yours go in. You know, mm-hmm. I think yeah. he just has such a scoring mentality too, and he's just so dialed in right now. You just really hope dialed. he can. He can dialed just in. really hope he can come in at the beginning of next yeah. season. Needs to and and and, and do something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he, he needs to do like something in the off season that's different. You know. Like, is there an Olympic Games coming up or something? <laughs> Can he compete in that? Uh, I don't know. Like, get him, like, doing something, playing basketball. I know he played on, like, the reserve team or whatever a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I was trying good. to see if there was a correlation, like, maybe he had a better start in season. No, he had one of the worst starts to his season that year. I I don't know. I, I mean, I know this year he was – it seemed like he was pretty focused on bulking up, getting bigger. Yeah. Uh, I mean – and then there, there was concerns that he was a little heavier than they wished that he was. And, yeah, you know, I mean, bulking, I, they said he added 10 pounds of muscle. It, to, I mean, ten. who knows what 10 pounds of muscle is? It could just be 10 pounds, not necessarily 10 pounds of muscle. But mm-hmm. 10 pounds, I mean, that's uh, – it doesn't sound like a lot of weight for a professional athlete. But, you know, when you're running up and down a court all, all game, 10 pounds is – Makes a difference. You know, it, it's a lot and if you're trying to bulk up you're putting a lot you know you're eating a lot you can definitely get out of shape because once you start bulking your cardio goes down so he probably mm-hmm. wasn't in the best shape yeah um so i guess don't bulk up i mean you're doing fine the way you know your body is at the moment i mean i mm-hmm. feel like fox you almost don't want to get bigger you're you're quick you're quick oh, his quickness is just killing it right now yeah so get into the basket every time yeah He's um, he like yeah. He needs he needs to come out and start playing like this from day one. That's what he's being paid to do right now. He's on a max contract, so exactly. He yeah. it, it is expected of him at this point, and that's why he had so many haters at the beginning of this season because this was his season to really step it up the first year of his max, and you know, not to say nineteen points a game in December is bad, but. When he has finished off the season scoring 25 a game the year before, and you take a you know six points a game less, you know to start mm-hmm. the year, it's it's noticeable. And the Kings were losing as usual, but um, it is nice to see him turn it around. He scored 20 plus in 14 straight games. That's really encouraging. Not many Sacramento Kings have done that. Only a handful. So he's he's definitely turning it around and. It, it, it's something to look forward to going into next season. Yeah. Him and some bonus can start, you know, play like this to begin October, you know, to begin the season on October. It And the Kings had a couple more pieces. It's, um, it'll be, be an interesting team to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. You definitely want to see how that plays out. Yeah. And to be fair to Fox at the beginning of the season. Yeah. He did come in out of shape they said some reports were calling it just straight up out of shape mm-hmm. um and there was also the rule change where he was getting a little line less he was getting less calls yeah I, I feel like we touched upon that in when we were addressing that whole kind of like what's up with fox kind of that first mo- uh, month or so and there was like that 
and then I feel like with all the kind of like slow start and everything like that to kind of see like Halliburton kind of garnering a lot of attention, especially when Fox got hurt, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of must have just kind of made him think. I, I mean, I don't know if that's an excuse, but I can see that that would be a thing. And then also, like, I know that he had like a and it feels weird, but we live in a time where this is a thing. Uh, it feels kind of clownish to be saying this, but it's like he had like an NFT project. Um, oh, God. Yeah. And it didn't go well or something. Like he got scammed or something. There's not, not a lot of clarity on that, I guess. Yeah. And that just got settled a week or two ago. And it's just like, did that have anything to do with your attitude on things, your focus or lack thereof? I don't know. But it just I seems like could have. And then, of course, just like, like if you take all those things away, you like you said, come in with the body you want to have at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season. And then three, you come in with Sabonis from the start and potentially and hopefully you're going to need it. Other guys. Uh, uh, he, that, that's, I guess what I'm trying to say is you're going to start asking these questions with a little bit less patience if he does not get yeah. off to a great start at the beginning of next season. A hundred percent. And next season should be outside of the 2019-20 season. Or, yeah, 19-20. Because I feel like Kings fans have a lot of hope after that Jaegers last year when they finished 39-43. But mm-hmm. next season will probably be the most highly anticipated King or season for Kings fans in a long time. Because you now have an all-star in Sabonis in his prime still. And you have Darren Fox who really turned it around showing that he's the player that we all knew he was, mm-hmm. but finally showing it again. And yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And you're right. If Fox starts off slow, oh man, that's, it's, he's going to get a lot of heat and he's going to, he's going to deserve it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, you know, like a lot of people defend Fox. I, I'm kind of, like I said, I don't really have favorites on this team, on the Kings. I just, I love the team. Um, a lot of people are hard, hard on Fox. I think a lot of people give Fox way too much credit. I'm kind of in the middle right now with Fox. Like, I think Fox is a great player. I don't think he's the end-all, be-all. Uh, but I think he's definitely a guy who can lead us to take us, you know, take this organization, this franchise to the next level. Um, I think I'm just realistic in seeing this. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. A lot of people, I, I, I see people saying like empty stats. I'm like, okay, like, uh, you know. Mm, this, not in these last uh, 15 no. games. Yeah, exactly. Not in the last 15. But I wouldn't say he's also like, I mean, I of course, Kings fans are going to hype people up. And you have to take everything with the grain of salt. But I see like first ballot Hall of Famer thrown around. I was like, okay, like. Yeah, you start saying that. That's when guys get hurt. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> let's, just, let's take a step back. And like, let's just appreciate. It's really hard Fox. to be a first ballot hard Hall of Famer. Like, yeah, hey, come on. Let's appreciate for who he is. He's a great scorer. Uh, I think he's a top scorer in the game. He he's proven that over the last, I guess, season and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, does he have things he needs to work on? Yeah, for sure. And he's going to have to improve on those things if he really wants his team to be better. If he's going to be a focal point of this team, but. He's going to have, yeah. I mean, to the, uh, what I'm trying to say is that he's going to have to come out next year playing at the level he's been playing at the last 15 games. So mm-hmm. it'll be, 
That'll be that'll be fun to watch when we get there, and let's see if he can end the season strong. Still, I want to see him averaging like twenty four a game at the end of the year. I think he's around twenty two and a half. If he can mm-hmm. hit that up to twenty four, I mean he had a great end of the season, scoring over twenty five a game probably. So, but it is encouraging to see. Yeah, I still think. I mean, just in terms of like him having to perform next season, it really comes down to that front office is kind of depending on it. Yeah. That front office considered trading him and said, okay, well, we'll do this situation because this will work. And you plug everything in. It doesn't require Fox to be the end all be all because he's paired with Sabonis. It's a fantastic move. Yes. But it's like, if it doesn't work out in the end, it's like, these guys, when they did the trade deadline, they like kind of, I feel like McNair kind of alluded to the fact that there might be other big moves in the off season, you know? And I almost kind of got the feeling that there's like, Fox still could get traded. You know, I kind of had that sense. I don't really know if it's something I can back up, but I had that sense kind of seeing that like based on his, how the last couple of games, the last 20 plus games go, he could be tradable. Now I think he's kind of like shown that you want, probably want to keep him, you know, because he's really stepped it up. And like I said, in so many different aspects, it's unlike any other um, kind of run we've seen. Um, And you know, that that front office is just going to be like super ready to, I don't know. They would be ready if he comes out screwing up next season. I don't know. I feel like they would be so quick to get rid of him as soon as they could. But I don't know. I mean, that could hurt his stock again. I don't know. Gets ahead. But just you would not want to be GM of this team and see Fox, you know, coming out in the first four weeks of the season next year, averaging 19 points or something like that, <laughs> you know, I yeah, don't know, yeah. but I don't, I really don't think that can happen. He's just, that's really on him to figure out what he can do to come into the season because he does, he just so, does so well in the closing part of the year. Just, he's got to just be, it's not even like he has to be the same. He just got to be like close to this he can't you can't build your way up to this yeah it has to be kind of something that's sort of consistent 82 games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we'll see I, yeah. I think it's very promising because it's not just any it's not just like he's put it not like he just put up 44 points the other night against the mavericks you know it's yeah. like he 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 goes out there and he's he's getting other guys involved he's he it got to a point where he at the end did get a little aggressive, but he wasn't getting foul calls to be fair. Yeah. And it's just like, that's another thing too, is if you can see him play better, you could, you could probably see the team play better. And if you see the team play better, I really think you're going to start seeing foul calls go your way. Cause a lot of people are talking about foul calls, not going this team's way. And I agree with that, but also this is the Sacramento Kings folks. They have not garnered respect from officials They They just haven't done anything to do that. Um, I know Mark Jones uh, in pregame before the game against the Knicks noted the portal that teams have with the NBA office where you can submit video and kind of, you know, draw attention to calls you don't think you're getting. And Matt Barnes on the broadcast was like, yeah, but you got to understand that you're the team, the teams that get calls, the players that get calls, they're winners. You know, they're the ones that have proven that they deserve it, you know, that they deserve that respect. Yeah. That's a huge thing. And that's the thing. And, and that's why I think it all comes down to this team's frustration. This team, you know, Sabonis being frustrated at that game. It's not, again, it wasn't that he was mad at the fouls and stuff like that. It really was. It's like, we're so close, you know, 
And once you're so close, it starts breaking you towards these things. It's then you don't have to worry about foul calls not coming away. Then you don't have to worry about uh, a playoff drought. You don't have to worry about all these things that are just kind of constantly in your head. So, you know, you just got to keep getting better. And I feel like the foul calls thing too, it's like, I do agree. I just mentioned it. I just cited it in the Mavericks game, but it's like, is that the source of their problems? No, <laughs> like it's not. It's not. Is it the fact that they're not getting calls? Is that the reason they're not playing consistent out of the second half every time? No. Get out of here. You know, yeah. there's other things. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a surface level thing that can get lost. And this team knows that they're trying to get it together and they're really close. And that's kind of where the, the extra, the extra emotion comes from. And, um, you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see, but it's like, it all comes together and it really is going to, that, that all makes it important for how this whole team starts next year. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if they can come off the bat and show that they're a competitor in the conference, um, they're immediately going to, because if you can do that at the beginning of the season, that's times where people are like, Hey, this team's doing really well. You know, they got, they're 14 and four, you know, or something. I'm not saying the Kings are going to do that, but it's like that beginning of the season, you kind of start, making note of the teams that are kind of doing something you know mm-hmm. and if you can do that that's going to be a big big freaking deal for the rest of that season um so we'll have to see about that it's gonna be fun though yeah i mean i feel like we're at that point of the season where all you can do is look forward to next year because it ain't happening this year but lots to look forward to um i mean i think the king's with Sabonis and Fox alone. Well, not alone, obviously, but of course with a couple other pieces. You know, I, I, I think they have the potential to make noise with Fox and Sabonis being the centerpieces. That's a great duo. The best duo we've seen in Sacramento in a long time. And yeah, you need some pieces, but you have to have faith in McNair in the front office to, you know, and McNair's a smart guy. People in the front office are hopefully just as smart and um, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pull some strings and get some players here, some three point shooters, preferably a nice power forward. And I I mean, other teams do it all the time. They go from you know zeros to heroes within a season. You saw the Suns mm-hmm. do it last year, watching the Cavs do it this year. The Kings have that potential with Fox and Sabonis alone. It's just about you know they have to get a new coach, they have to get some more pieces and. They're going to have to, you know, I guess, play well together. It, it, it's next season so far off, but yeah, it's 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 what the Kings do to us in, uh, you know, March. <laughs> it's, we're already out of it. Not much to look forward to anymore. But we do have a game on Saturday, tomorrow against the Jazz. I don't know. I yeah, I mean, you still got to play these last 14 games hard. And I like what Dante DiVincenzo said this week. He said, we're not quitting. You know, that was kind of his outlook. You know, just like, it doesn't matter what's going on. This team wants to compete. This team wants to get better. They know they're going to be better. This The fact that there's so many guys on this team that have this outlook and have this confidence. Like, I don't want to do the cross sports comparison, but when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl in 2019, they, in that off season beforehand in training camp, they were probably the most confident team in the NFL. 
And people are like, you guys, but they probably won like two or three, four games the year before. People are like, you guys think you're going to be like the best team in the, in the league. And they, they, they came out and they, they, what they started off like eight or eight or nine and no, you know, they won their first several games. They went to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't want to get too much into it. Thanks, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, you're interesting with a lead in the fourth quarter. That is for other people to talk about. But um, it's a real big thing that if you have collective confidence and understanding that like, hey, guys, you know, we can do something. And it's probably extra fun and it gives you an extra little funny feeling inside when you guys are saying that and nobody else thinks it. Yeah, because then you get to go prove them wrong, mm -hmm. and you hear it from all the guys, particularly Sabonis, because the whole question is like, "Oh, does he want to stay here?" And I'm just like, "Just give it a little bit," you know. <laughs> he yeah. he said he said you know it's it's like oh, for, I forgot where I was going there, but um, <laughs> um, he uh you know he was talking about how you just gotta you gotta you gotta get that kind of confidence going and that and whatnot, and it feels like it's coming together here. It seems like there's an opportunity to do something here. And the reason that everybody likes that, particularly about the Kings, is because you have an opportunity to change the way people look at this franchise. And that is an appealing thing. So I think all those things tie together. It's going to be a chip on your shoulder type year next year. You know, They're going to expect people to have respect for them by the way they close out these 14 games. Not saying they're going to come out winning a bunch of games and make it really close and miss the play-in by one game. You know, they might still have a three, four, five game margin out of the uh, race. But, you know, this team is going to command respect. And even if that takes time to command the respect of the league and the, the media and whatnot, uh, they have it for themselves. And that's a great place to start. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, and kind of like what you just said about if you finish off the season strong and you know, you can command respect going into next year. And, you know, the Kings have a tough schedule. If they win a handful of these games, maybe Sabonis and Fox really start going off together. Like they have been, but actually start winning games. Um, yeah, you do command that respect. And maybe if they get a good player, say if McNair pulls something out of his hat, you know, like, okay, like, the Kings end up the season strong. They got this guy, like, watch out. And the comparison that I'm going to make is the Suns. And, Mm. You know the Suns when they were the Suns have been terrible with the Kings forever, um, you know since Steve Nash left really, mm -hmm. and then they they go to the bubble, they win every single game in the bubble, but they don't make the play in because they their their record still wasn't good enough after going I think six and zero or eight and zero or something like that. However many games are in the bubble, um, and then you know Booker is like okay. Like, Booker was already pretty good, but, you know, more eyes go on Booker, and then, boom, they get Chris Paul, and they go to the finals. Mm -hmm. The Kings can end the season well. Still 14 games left. Not that, you know, not enough to make any noise, I, I don't think. But they do have a tough schedule. You win some of these tougher games, make a name for yourself, get someone solid in the offseason. I'm not saying they're going to go straight to the finals like the Suns did. You know, the Suns got Chris Paul one of the best point guards of all time, but they definitely, they definitely can make a case uh, for being a well-respected team going into next season. It'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So you have anything else to add? Um, I mean, I just, 
think going forward, it'll be interesting to see how they can establish that culture and get that momentum going. Um, now, maybe they win the last 14 games, all of them. Never yeah. know. No. Yeah. But you got to start with Utah. Yeah, so with on Utah the tomorrow. On the road. You know, on the road. Hey, we, we, playing Utah. Utah always kills us. Yeah. I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you last time we beat Utah. <laughs> I, I feel like know. they have our number. But Utah's a good team, and they've been good for – you know, a minute, even before Donovan Mitchell. They were good with Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. They've been owning us, and they're just a basketball. Seems like they're just a smart basketball team. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It would be nice to see uh, Sabonis play, I suppose, again. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer not seeing him the other night. But Utah Jazz tomorrow night, 6 o'clock in, in uh, Salt Lake City, I guess. That's where they play, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful Salt Lake City. Yeah, beautiful Salt Lake City. So, all right. I think I think that's it. I don't have anything else. I think that's it as well. I think we covered everything. All right. Well, to the listeners, thank you for tuning in. And then until next week, we'll talk to you then. <laughs>